Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. It'll be our prayer this morning. You can go and have a seat if you'd like, and uh, you'll be more comfortable if you do. <laughs> uh, all right, let me give you a little bit of detail about our missionary, and we're glad to have him, Caleb and Abby Robinson, to Zambia, and that is in Africa. And they have two little ones, and they're in the nursery this morning. And Rosalie, she's a cute little one. She's got a little personality to her, and it's fun to be around her. And then one-year-old Oliver, so two little ones. And they have um, been to Zambia, Africa already. Actually, Caleb went during his senior year of college and spent three months interning there and uh, has been there as well other times. And so he's already familiar with the area, familiar with uh, where he's going and what he's doing, and God's going to use him. He's got a burden specifically for some villages there in Africa, and we'll be working with some other pastors at the beginning, and so that, that is a great thing. Before he got married, he made sure that his wife, as they were engaged, uh, knew that he was going to the mission field. God had already worked on his heart to, to know that he was going to the mission field, and so he made sure that she knew this is what you're signing up for, and this is uh, what's going to happen. And, of course, she agreed, and uh, I thought that was uh, very good that he already had been spoken to by the Lord in, in the timing of all that, but then wanted to make sure that she knew that was what's happening with their life, and so God is using them. They are from uh, BIMI, and the supporting um, church that they're being sent from is uh, in Sunsbury Baptist Church in Beesville, Ohio. They, he told me this morning, they were at... Uh, yesterday, 90%, and as of this morning, they're up to 95 And so, praise the Lord for that. And that's not because we support them yet either. So we're going to jump that number up um, after today, and so that'll be encouraging. But uh, he got a phone call, I believe, uh, this morning, and, and uh, another church is taking him on this afternoon. So that's exciting. We're on the higher percentage of him being all the way supported. So we get to be a part of that, and I'm excited to hear what God's going to do this morning with this lesson. I hope you have a bulletin this morning already. That'll give you some more information about the Robinsons. And as well, I want to encourage you that uh, we have the Grace Giving Cards. If you need another one, or if you're um, still maybe haven't received one yet, we do have those in the back, and I would encourage you in between service, uh, the Sunday School Hour and the next service, to get one of those, be praying about your part in that. And I know uh, we're, we're doing that as well. Uh, as a family, we're praying. And this is for all ages. And so I encourage you, if you're a teenager maybe this morning or a young adult, um, someone that, uh, even a child, you can give to Grace Giving as well. So you can get a card and be praying about what God would have you give um, also. Brother Robinson's going to come, and we're going to hear from him this morning. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Um, what a beautiful day. It's been a beautiful past couple days. Uh, we're thankful to be up here in the north for a little bit this uh, late summer. We were down in July. We were down in Florida and Georgia, and it was hot and very humid. And so we were thankful to be up here for a little bit. And uh, so we're thankful to be with you guys today. My name is Caleb Robinson, and that's my wife, Abby, and she's sitting back there. And then also we do have our kids in the nursery, and we're excited about going to the mission field of Zambia. 
We're going to do a short Bible study this morning, but I also want to give my testimony. So let's go to the testimony first, and then we'll get into the Bible study. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse number 16, if you would. John 15, verse number 16. This has become my life verse, and I believe this testimony will lay into the idea of what's going on for us on the mission field, but also in regards to our Sunday school lesson. But John chapter 15, verse number 16, this verse really spoke to me. The Bible says here, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. And this has become really the first part of my life verse in regards to the fact of how I got called to the mission field. Many people are like, now why in the world are you going to Zambia, Africa? Good question. (laughs) But uh, God opened up a door of opportunity for me to go there, and he opened up that opportunity, and that's when God really spoke to my heart. But it actually stems farther back. Back in high school, I went to a youth conference, and at a youth conference, uh, I had surrendered to preach. And uh, I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to surrender and serve God in, in preaching. And I planned on going back to Southeast Ohio and becoming a pastor. Southeast Ohio is where I'm from, and uh, that's where I claim I'm from. I've been, lived all over the USA, uh, so I picked one location, and that's where we're staying. <laughs> but uh, I picked Southeast Ohio, but God opened up a door of opportunity for me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to Southeast Ohio and pastor. I'm a redneck by nature. And uh, I wanted to go hunt and fish and, and preach. <laughs> and uh, God has a sense of humor because he likes to change your plans. But I was there, and in Bible college, all my friends were planning on going to the mission field. And uh, I was like, you know, that's great. You guys go to the mission field. You guys do the job. And uh, I'll support you guys. How's that? And uh, they thought, no, you need to go to the mission field. And I'm like, no, you guys go to the mission field. I'll support you. And it was actually my second year in Bible college, I was at a missions conference, and a preacher preached. And as I said, I had surrendered to do what God wanted me to do, but had I really surrendered? And the preacher preached out of 1 Kings chapter 18. That's a story about Elijah on Mount Carmel. We all know that story, right? Elijah goes on Mount Carmel, he builds that altar, and the children of Israel were there to make a decision that day. They were going to decide whether God was real or whether Baal was God. And in that decision time... God was going to perform a miracle and do something miraculous. And in order for God to show his power forth, what happened? They put that altar there, and they dug a moat around that altar, and they poured that water on top of that sacrifice. Now, I'm a volunteer firefighter in Ohio, and uh, if any of you know anything about fire, fire and water do not mix, right? (laughs) You use the one to put out the other. And they put that water on top of that sacrifice. Why? Because there was no way to deny that God's power was real. And as that, water, or as that fire came down from heaven, we know that it ate up all the water, ate up the stones, ate up the dust. I mean, dawn. Everything's gone. That's the power of God. And the preacher said, if you want to see the power of God in your life, you must be willing to sacrifice. And I said, really? He said, and as a young man that feels that he's called to preach, obviously you want to see the power of God in your life or in your ministry. You don't want to do it by yourself. And so I said, if, you, if God wants to see us in our life, he said, you must be willing to sacrifice. The reason why, that water was a commodity that was scarce. They hadn't had water for years up to that point. They were dry, and they poured it out in order to see God do something great. And he said, how many of you guys want to see God do something great in your life? You must be willing to pour out your life. And God used that message in my life, and it may not have spoke the same to every single individual in that building that day, but God used that message in my life to challenge me to the mission field. 
And I said, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go. Key was, I wasn't really surrendered. I was surrendered to do my will for God's will, not God's will for my life. And so God used that message, and I, I surrendered and had no idea where that was going to be. I had no idea how that was going to work. I had never been to Zambia. Up to that point, I'd only taken one missions trip in my entire life, and that was to a church plant in Canada. And so I had said, Lord, if you want me to go, show me where. And he opened up several opportunities. I got to make several trips. I went down to Mexico. I've been to Trinidad and Tobago. I went down to Guyana, South America. I've been to Ethiopia. I've been to Zambia. And during all those times, God would speak into my heart about the mission field, but he started to pull my heartstrings about the country of Zambia, Africa. And uh, so while I was there on my internship, I got to experience some of the different places, got to visit with several different missionaries, and uh, just got to experience the culture there, but also learn to work in the ministries, and, and God allowed me to do a lot of things. I preached my first funeral in Zambia, Africa, baptized my first believers in Zambia, Africa. Everything that I've got to do has all been over there. But what really spoke to my heart was actually on another trip, I went back. I've gotten to go five times to Zambia, but on another trip I went there, and I got to this village, and it's 18-hour drive from the one part of Zambia I was at to this place just to get on a boat and travel another eight hours across the lake. And then we get to this village, and we got to this village, and the last known presentation of the gospel, clear presentation of the gospel that we know of, was in the early 1900s before World War I. And the last time there was anybody up there, the British had sent in missionaries after David Livingston had opened up Zambia, and they had gone up into northern Zambia, up into Lake Tanganyika, and there was a boat that traveled that lake called the Good News. And as that boat traveled, they preached. But after that, there was not a clear presentation. During World War I, almost all those missionaries got pulled out of a lot of the northern parts of Zambia due to the political struggles that were going on in Africa at the time. And so nobody went back. And I got back in there, and there's a heavy influence of the animistic beliefs, very based on witchcraft in that area. And I got to preach a clear presentation of the gospel. I got done preaching. I walked 100 yards, and Jehovah's Witnesses were passing out their literature. The Bible says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. And as I looked at that, you, none of you were there that day, but I was there. And God gave me a burden for a people that are otherwise never going to know the truth. Other people are willing to commit everything and to do everything to be there and to teach those people falsehoods and things that are leading people to hell. And it's, it's sad. And so that's when God really burdened my heart for those people in Zambia, especially in some of those remote locations. And so our goal is to go over there and just help, help nationals start churches, uh, but really work with the national pastors and train them and help them reach their community. Right now in those villages that I was at, there is a national pastor friend of mine that is there. And so I, I have been sending him information and I keep in contact with him. And then when I get over there, we're going to try to work on some stuff together and help him as he reaches that community. Uh, but there's so many opportunities, people everywhere. But this verse doesn't stop there. The Bible says in verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And a lot of times we stop there as Christians. We're like, yeah, that's great. We're going to bring forth fruit. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Notice this next phrase. And that your fruit should remain. It's one thing to have fruit, but it's another thing to have fruit that lasts generations. And that's our goal. Our goal is not for our honor and glory, but for God's honor and glory to see national pastors reaching their own communities with the gospel year after year, century after century. 
there are some men that opened up some parts of uh, Malawi and other parts of Zambia that have done that, and they have existing works that have lasted past their generation. And that's our goal. How is this church started? A pastor started it, and it keeps going, correct? And that's how our goal should be for our missions in Zambia, and that's what we desire. And it says, And that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And that's what we're, we're asking God to get us there safely. He is providing all, all support already, so that request is almost over. But he has answered that request. And uh, we also have another prayer request that God would give us. We're going to be moving to a city in the eastern province of Zambia. It has one of the highest Muslim populations in Zambia. And uh, it also has a very heavy, uh, it has an Islamic uh, college there. And then they also have several mosques. And our prayer, and we ask you to pray with us in regards to this, is that God would give us 100 Muslim men saved and discipled. You may be like, what in the world? Well, I heard a preacher preach a message here not too long ago, and it was praying for the impossible. And that's one of our goals. And that's our prayer. It may seem impossible. But we ask that God would give us those fruits for our labor. The Bible says that you ask, what is it? You shall ask of the Father in my name, and he may give it to you. And it's not for our honor and glory, it's for his. And so we believe God can answer that, and we ask that he would take care of us, and give us wisdom as we reach those people in that country. And that's just my testimony in a, in a short sense. Grew up in a Christian home, was saved at a young age, but... Sometimes, even though you're saved at a young age, there's not that real surrender in your heart to do what God wants you to do. And God may not call every single person here in this room to the mission field. And, and honestly, I hope he doesn't, because we need you guys here to support churches, <laughs> support missionaries. So it's, you guys are vital, but there may be somebody in this room that God is calling, and we must be willing to hear that call. And so I just want to encourage those. Some of you that are young, some of you that are teenagers, this is the time that everybody asks you, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? Or, hey, when you graduate high school, where are you going to go to, high school, or where are you going to, go to college? These are the age-old questions. But I want to challenge you, does God fit in that plan? Because that is the future. And uh, we can look at everything. If you've looked at the last couple years, even in our country, things have changed rapidly, have they not? <laughs> everything seems like you've got a plan and it falls apart in five minutes. Um, I can't tell you how many times that happened last year, and then even this year we've had a few. We had a couple random changes here just recently, um, but God has still been proven faithful. He's still the same. He knows what's going on. He's worth serving, and he's worth giving your life to him, and so that's a challenge. That's a testimony, but I want to go and actually do a Bible study today with you. If you would give me the time, well, you, I promise not to keep you too late. We're going to get into the morning service here soon. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5. And this is a common, common passage of Scripture. Um, I want to give you a couple of thoughts this morning. Um, I was actually, we were talking, I think my wife and I were talking in the car about something, and uh, I, I came up with this thought. It's not my own. It's from God. Uh, but uh, it's a challenge for us. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. And this is, like I said, it's a common verse. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. 
Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The only Father, we thank you for this day that you given to us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak through me to your word, that you would challenge our hearts this morning, that we would just uh, leave here with the thought of what we can do for you. And I, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray that you just use this service to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see here that uh, the Bible says, we're going to start out, and we're actually going to be focusing mostly on verse number 13. The Bible says, ye are the salt of the earth. Now, how many of you, barring high blood pressure, like salt? <laughs> In Zambia, Africa, everything is very salty. Uh, they love salt on their food, and, uh, and so everything has a, a high level of salt, and it's good. I like salt. Salt is important. Salt brings certain things to the table that you really need in certain dishes. Um, for example, eggs. Have you ever tried eating an egg without any salt on it whatsoever? It just lacks. It lacks a lot. When you put a little salt on there, it changes the whole dynamic. But salt is important. So I want to bring out two simple thoughts today. Nothing crazy. I want to ask you a question. What type of salt are you? You see, in this passage, there's two types of salt that are listed, and a lot of times we only focus on the one, and we always think that we're just that salt that is going to be useful. But I want to ask some questions here, and uh, it says here that in this passage, he says, hey, you are a salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor. And I started thinking about that thought. How many of you ever ate something, and when you have salt, if it sits for very long, it does turn a little bit. It doesn't have that same salty flavor. And there, there's something about salt. How many of you guys uh, in the north, I, I don't know how much snow you guys get here. Forgive me, I haven't done my, my research. But like where we're at in Ohio, we use a lot of salt on our driveways and on our roadsides. Would you ever put that on your food? It, no, it, it has a completely different purpose, right? But it still has a purpose. And so I want to challenge us in some thoughts today in regards to salt. Are we one of these things that's salt? And if not, are we a salt to be cast aside? So our first point is a salt to be used. And there's several thoughts that we can look at. Number one, salt cleanses. Notice, go with me and turn to Mark chapter 9. This is a parallel passage to this. Mark chapter 9. I read this and I thought, how intriguing. Mark chapter 9, verse number 49. Now, this is uh, a passage here, and Christ was speaking, and he goes and he says, <laughs> For everyone shall be salted with fire. And that's a whole other passage. We're not going to get into that part. But notice this next phrase. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And I thought, what in the world is this? Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 2. There's going to be a lot of Bible references uh, if you don't want to turn to every single one, you don't have to. But Leviticus, chapter number 2, notice with me this phrase. Verse number 13. 2, verse number 13. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Now I thought this was intriguing that God 
from the very beginning, when he commanded the children of Israel, and he says, hey, I want you guys to offer all these offerings unto me, and we know there's countless offerings. There was an, an offering for every single thing, every single day. It seemed like there was something that was specific God wanted them to do. But notice that he says, I want salt with all of it. And it started my mind thinking about how much salt is important to God. Number one, the first thing I want to think about in salt to be used is salt cleanses. How many of you guys have, have used salt like on a wound? Uh, if you notice, a lot of times if you go, I know when I, I cut my hand open real bad one time and I had to go get some stitches, first thing they did was they went and they put a saline solution, which is salt, on that wound to help cleanse. And then they also, obviously we use other antiseptics as well. But a saline solution, salt, is good for wounds. It cleanses. It brings out those things. And as the, we know with the sacrifices, those sacrifices for, were for what? To cleanse away the children of Israel's sins. And that's what they did. It didn't completely cover it. It was not the perfect atonement. The perfect atonement comes with Jesus Christ. We know all these things. But it's interesting at that picture, as you look at that, that with that, there is some form of cleansing going on. There's something happening, and there, there needs to be that. Salt is, salt is essential for those things. And so when you look at that, I find it interesting that God says, I want you to have a sacrifice, and I want it to be salted. God wants something that's different, something that's set apart. And as a Christian, shouldn't we be that person? Not that we can save people from their sins, no. But our lives should be such that it shows a difference and it brings a light and we can, we can use it to be in this world a cleansing for this world. Our lives should be such. But we can also see that there's another type of salt that can be used. It can be healed. It is, salt is an antiseptic and an antibacterial. It is essential for those things. It helps to draw out certain infection. Salt is essential for that. Colossians, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Notice this passage here when we see this phrase that God uses here. Colossians chapter number 4. Uh, look at me with, or look at this with verse number six. Let your speech be always with grace. Sometimes that's lacking in a lot of people's lives, right? How many of you know that one person has no grace in their talk? <laughs> you know, I, I have family members that are that way. It's like, why? If you have any conversation, it goes downhill real quick. <laughs> there's, there's always that. But he says here, let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. Notice that phrase, seasoned with salt. Is he actually saying that every time you open your mouth you need to throw a little salt shaker in there? No, he's not talking about that. But as a Christian, our lives should be such that it is getting transformed by this salt, that she may know how ye ought to answer every man. You know, our words as Christians should not cause division and hurt and pain in people's lives. You realize the Word of God causes enough division as it is. It is divisive. In a lot of ways. It brings peace and love to those that heed his words. But we also know that if you refuse the commandments of God, there is chastisement on one aspect or another. But as you see here, he says, Let your, that, you may, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. 
As a Christian, our words should be seasoned with salt to the point that we understand that when we answer somebody, it should be according to a biblical principle. I mean, take a, take a look with me, and you look back at what happened in 2020 and even 2021, what's happening so far. Have you met so many Christians in your life that are so divisive over the political issues of today? It is like if you say one thing about one thing, next thing you know, you're going to be hit by one side. If you say something on the other side, then you're going to be hit by the other side. If you wear a mask, you're evil. If you don't wear a mask, you're evil. Both sides. We have division in our churches, correct? Why? Because our, 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 our tongue is not seasoned with salt. We must have grace with those around us. Not that we're compromising on anything, but we're, we're just being graceful to those around us. And it has been a controversial year. And, and it's been a challenge for me in my life to look back at my life and say, you know what, am I a salt that's bringing healing to a hurting world? When a lost world looks at Christians, they're looking for something. They want to see something that's different. And if Christians hurt and devour Christians in the church, how are we going to reach a lost community with the gospel? Missions, a mission Sunday is absolutely pointless if we're devouring each other at our home church. And it's been a challenge for me that I look at my own life, and we've been all over the country. I've been in countless churches over the past <laughs> year and a half, two years. We've been all over the place, traveled all over, and we've seen different places take different stances on every single issue that there can be. But the greatest thing that we can see is when people have grace with one with another. And it's a challenge for us that we be a salt that heals rather than causes infection. Our churches are not going to be strong if we don't do this. Notice with me also, if you go back to Matthew chapter 5, we won't read that verse, we've read it already, Matthew 5 verse 13, salt enhances. What is the purpose of salt in food? It's to enhance flavor, right? Uh, there's different types of salt. Uh, you have regular table salt that you use. Um, you also have your kosher salt. Um, when I cure meat, a lot of times I use like a kosher salt for that. It has a very good purpose for curing and, and, and the meat aspect. But you also have your pink Himalayan salt. That pink Himalayan salt, has, it does have a different flavor. I like it. Um, and it has, a, it has a different texture to it. It's great. But then you also have... Uh, I was watching a show here recently. I like food shows. I like watching how people cook food. Um, I get intrigued by that. And uh, they did black rock salt. Black rock salt has a high sulfur content. And so if you use it too much, it makes your food taste terrible. But if you use it just right, it brings that flavor that enhances everything else. Probably wouldn't want to use it on eggs. It might make it real bad. Uh, but in that... Those, that salt enhances flavor. As a Christian, as a body of believers here this morning, your goal and purpose is to enhance other Christians and to help them grow in their spiritual walk. You realize not every one of us has gotten to that perfect place in our life. As a missionary, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, as a pastor, I'm sure as this pastor would say, he hasn't gotten there in his life. He's, he's getting close right? We're getting every position in our life. We are growing in grace. We are growing in our Christianity. And as we grow, we should come along and help those that are still growing. 
And we should look to those that are older in our congregation, that are wiser, that have had that walk with God for the 20, 30, 40 plus years. We should look to them and they should come along and help those that are growing. There is that enhancing of the body of believers that needs to happen, and that happens with salt. You see, all these things come from the aspect. God says, you are salt of the earth, but there's so many things that salt does, it's not just one thing. And are we enhancing the body of believers? Are you as a Christian today helping someone in the congregation? Are you helping them grow in their Christian walk? It should be an individual task for every person. As a teenager, you know what I used to do when I was in Bible college? I used to take teenagers under my wing, and we would help disciple them and train them. And as a teenager, maybe you could take somebody younger than you, maybe somebody that's in the junior class or junior high, and help strengthen and grow them in their faith. You see, every single aspect has a part that can help the next generation. Uh, when we look at, and I look at my daughter, Rosalie, she's only two and a half, but she tries to be a help, and she goes and she grabs Oliver's blanket for us, or she'll go and she'll try to hold him and cuddle him sometimes if he's crying, and when they're in the back, it's the funniest thing, they just started this here recently, in the back of the car seat, she'll reach out his, her hand, and he'll reach out his hand, and they'll hold each other's hands, and just ride down the car together holding hands, it's hilarious. Um, but it's a comfort to both of them. Salt enhances. Are you enhancing somebody else in Christianity today? Notice not also does it doesn't enhance, it tenderizes. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 6, we read that verse already as well, but it says that he goes, he says, let your grace always be seasoned with salt. Sometimes our words are there to help break down the calluses of the heart. Not causing division, but breaking down the calluses of the heart. When I first surrendered to the mission field, my friends were all planning on going to the mission field, right? Well, after one of the, in, during the missions conference, I had been under conviction during the entire missions conference about going to the mission field. Honestly, part of the reason why is I was scared to death of going to Zambia, or going to Africa, and here we go, we're going to Africa. <laughs> God's changed my heart. But in that, he goes, and as we were there, my friends would say, Why, are you going to go to the mission field? Why aren't you going to go to the mission field? Their words weren't necessarily divisive, but they were working on my heart and the calluses of my heart, putting up that front saying, I don't want to do that. And God was sitting there working in my heart from the other side. Those things helped tenderize my heart to hear what God had to say. Christians, sometimes people may say something, and if it's in love, it may hurt, even if it is in love, because our heart doesn't want to hear it. But that salt is important, and when you take a cut, tough cut of meat, any type of meat, and you take and you put it in salt for a period of time. Uh, for example, um, I don't know if you guys like corned beef uh, or pastrami. I love it. It's, my family absolutely does not like it, but I love it. And uh, my wife and I, we, we enjoy it. And so I got to, I've done it myself. I cure my own sometimes. It's been great. But the great ingredient and the key ingredient is salt. And that salt tenderizes brisket, which is usually a very tough cut of meat. It's very hard to work with. Usually you have to cook it for very long periods of time. That salt breaks down some of those tissues and makes it more palatable and makes it easier to eat. Christian, 
Are you helping to break down the barriers of somebody else around you? Reaching a lost and dying world, our words is what's going to break down a lost and dying world's heart. A lot of people are callous to hear the gospel lately in America. There is a general, um, a general angst against Christians in a lot of ways. Part of it, we've done it to ourselves. But also, the Word of God is challenging as it is, and it causes division. It causes people to realize they need something greater. And they realize they're not adequate enough to receive salvation on their own. That's why those things cause it. But as we present the gospel, and if we do it in the way that we're supposed to do, it'll break down those barriers so that God can work, and the Holy Spirit will work in people's lives and break down those barriers, and people can be reached and saved. You know how we're going to see, Lord willing, 100 Muslims saved? It's through the Word of God. It's not because of us. But that Word of God will change and break down those barriers that would typically be there. So salt tenderizes, but also go with me back to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We'll look at one other aspect, and then I want to bring out another aspect of salt. Mark chapter 9. <coughs> oh, totally the wrong way. There we go. Mark chapter 9. Notice with me at verse number 49, but also then notice verse number 50. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. He says, if the salt has lost his saltness, wherewith shall ye season it? You realize that if you lose that savor, if you lose what's important, it loses the aspect that it will preserve the things around us. As a Christian, and as those around us as salt, if we are salt, our conversations, our lives, and everything about us as a Christian, that is the salt of the earth, should preserve the church. It should keep the church solid. It should keep the church body unified. It should keep the church growing. All those things work together. All these aspects, the cleansing, the healing, the enhancing, the tenderizing, all works together for one purpose and one goal in the end to preserve the church and make it what God wants it to be. All these aspects are important. But I want to challenge us one last time with one last thought. Number one, our first thought was, are you a salt to be used? But are you a salt to be cast aside? You notice in all these verses, the Bible says that if you lost a saltness, it's not worth anything. You throw it away. Look at the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, if you were to sit in the Dead Sea, it does have some healing properties, they say. It's good for your body. You can sit there and soak in the water. But everything around the Dead Sea is absolutely dead. No fish live in the Dead Sea. Nothing lives. It's all dead. It is salt that is useless. The water itself can be great, but the salt has become useless. Are you a salt that has become useless because you're not following these principles that God has asked us to follow? Are we not going to reach a community with the gospel or reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have allowed the things of the world to influence us? 
or maybe the things of the world or the opinions of the world to corrupt our churches rather than help us grow. And it says it's salt to be cast aside. I want you to think back with me to one last thought here in regards to this. If you look at the story of Lot, what happened? Lot goes, him and his wife, and they were called to come out of that city, right? And as they come out of that city, and they're going, and God's bringing them out, they're escaping the destruction that's coming. God says, if you turn around, you will become a pillar of salt, right? And what do we see? Lot's wife turns around, and she becomes a pillar of salt. Now let me ask you this. Was that a salt useful no. Nobody's going over there carving on mama and making, you know, going to season their steak. It was absolutely useless. Her life became absolutely pointless at one decision in her life. Now, thank God for his mercy and his grace and that he can restore us. I'm thankful for restoration. But are you as a Christian becoming useless because we're allowing things to corrupt us to the point that God can't even do anything with our lives. That as a Christian, when we say we're a Christian, we're actually causing more division and more hurt in people's lives than actually pointing them to Him. Her life became a salt block that could not be used. There's so many uses for salt. All these things. We used to raise animals. We, the key ingredient for animal growth is salt. Lay out salt blocks for them all the time. All things have a purpose. But her life was absolutely pointless. Christian, the challenge for us today, and it's not a message so much as it's a lesson just to cause us to think. Anytime we see salt now, I want you to think about what type of salt are you and how are we going to impact a lost and dying world? Missions is pointless if we're not being the salt that we should be in our own lives in order to reach a lost and dying world. So, thank you, brother. Thank you, Brother Robson. It's good to know a little bit about the properties of salt because the Word of God and God in His wisdom wants us to be that. wants us to not be salt itself, but to be just like salt. And we are the salt of the, wor- of the world and of the earth. And so, may we not lose our savor You know, out of all the people that God wants to use, he wants to use you and I as Christians, God's people, and we are to be salt and light. And so I'm thankful for the message and thankful for the things about salt so we can be that today and this week and hopefully prayerfully for our life. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.